Father, we honor you for your presence in this room. We have been to places and spaces where your presence was not. So, Father, this afternoon we do not take it for granted, at least I do not take it for granted that your presence is here. And like Isaiah, who I'm about to preach upon, who cried, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. You are different, God. You are a great God. You are an immaculate God. Oh, God, we are so, we're so grateful for salvation. We're so grateful that you loved us. Like the Apostle Paul says, when we were yet without strength, in due time you died for us who were ungodly. Speak to our hearts, Holy Spirit, only as you can. Lord, they don't, people don't need what Brian Green has to say. They need to hear what you have to say. So speak to us, those of us in this room, those who are so online, and those who will listen later on during this week or even a year from now. You speak, Lord, and draw them to yourself. In Jesus' name, amen. Before you take your seat, could you give somebody next to you an elbow? I mean, not a, not a, not a bad elbow, but a good elbow saying it's good to see you here this morning. It's good to see you. Afternoon now. Ah, God is good. Amen. Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 to 9, for some of you, is a very familiar scripture. For others, it may not, but hopefully you'll be able to uh, follow with us. King James Version says, that in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, that is Isaiah. I saw also the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above this throne, the seraphims, that is these angels, each one having six wings. With two wings, they covered their faces. With two wings, they covered their feet. With two wings, they did fly. And they cried, that is, they called to another, one to another, and they said, he's holy. Holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with his glory. And the pulse of the door moved at the voice of him that cried. And the house was filled with smoke, which we would call the Shekinah glory of God. Then I said, Isaiah, woe is me. I, after seeing what happened in verses 1, 2, and 3, and 4, I just had to say, woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts, that is the Lord of heaven's angel armies. Then flew one of the seraphims, that is one of the angels unto me, having a live coal in his hands, which he had taken with tongs from off of the altar. And he said, and he laid that hot coal on my lips, and he said, lo, this has touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and also thy sin is purged. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, after my lips were purified, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Then said I, here I am, send me. And the Lord said to me, go. I want to speak to you on the subject, woe, low, and go. Woe, low, and go. For the remaining years, I said regularly, uh, a gentleman by the name of uh, Dean Rackey once said, repetition is the, heart, is the art of learning. And so I'm constantly repeating that. I, my prayers for this particular season, for the rest of the year, is that God will make Pentecostal Tabernacle, a house of encounters, a place where people encounter God. Also, I want this to be a place um, where people have a heart for worship. 
And by heart of worship, I'm not talking about singing these wonderful songs. I'm talking about a heart that puts God first. Uh, a heart that says, Matthew 6, verse 33, is, is the theme song of my life. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all the other stuff will be added unto me. See, the word worship is made up of two old English words, worth and ship. Ship means position and worth means value. Worship is putting God in a value, in a position of value. God is not, though everybody is commanded to praise God, the people that he's looking for, John chapter 4, verse 23, 24, he's looking for worshipers. Worshipers are such a scarce commodity in the earth that if God can find a worshiper, he'll do some powerful things through their lives. Tell the person next to you, God needs you to be a worshiper. Yeah, God oh. And then finally, not only do we want this to be a house of worship, not only do we want people to have hearts of prayer, hearts of, uh, sorry, hearts of worship, First uh, Samuel chapter 16, verse 7 to 9, lets us know that God, uh, people, we look at people's outward appearance. We look at their style, what they wear, their swag, what they got going on. Uh, but God is looking at the heart. He's looking at the attitude. That's why he wants attitude to put him in a position of worth. Uh, so we also want to create a place that hungers for the word of God, hungers for the scriptures, people who are like Job in Job 23 verse uh, uh, 12 who says, I've esteemed the words of your mouth more than my necessary food. People who can say like Deuteronomy 8 verse 3 that I don't hunger for bread alone, but I, I hunger for every word that's proceeding out of the mouth of God. Blessed are day, Jesus said in, in Matthew chapter 5. Blessed, you are blessed when you hunger and thirst for righteousness for you shall be filled. Even, even your hunger for the things of God must come from God. There is nothing in you that wants God other than what he's put in you to want from him. Ah. And, and so what are you saying? In other words, the Holy Spirit in you is crying out, Abba, Father, is crying out for more from God, but he needs your spirit to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. So as he plants hunger in our hearts, when we respond, he gives us more. So we have this, uh, this, this prophet, this person of uh, aristocracy, Isaiah. He is, he is, he is of a privileged class. He, he, he is the upper middle class. He is, he is doing well, and and he is a prophet. And this prophet Isaiah has an encounter with God in this chapter. We said that the word encounter means a meeting with a person, our definition, a meeting with a person, which is that person being God, the Holy Spirit, especially one that's unexpected. An encounter, the etymology, encontere, it means in opposition of. It means, so, so as uh, my wife is standing in opposite, she's on the opposite side, but we're also face to face. And we want to talk about not all encounters with God are pleasant. I know we want to have the encounter like Mary, where the angel came and said, you are highly favored. And we want to have encounters <coughs> where the favor of God and the grace of God and, and God has given us the rah-rah speech, but there are also encounters that are not pleasant, yet they're still encounters from God. So we have this man named Isaiah. And after this encounter, he, he, he has written 66 chapters in his prophecy. He is, one, he is considered in the Bible uh, one of the five major prophets, not meaning that he's more important than other prophets, but he has written more. He's written large books. Many people look at the book of Isaiah as a, 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 
miniature version of the Bible. And this, this prophet Isaiah, he, he lives, he lives, starts prophesying his ministry from 740 BC to 680 BC. So his ministry spans 60 years. And, he, and he's prophesying to the nation of Judah. He's prophesying to the nation of Judah. And some of you may not realize it, but after Solomon um, was the third king of Israel, and because of Solomon's disobedience, God split the kingdom of Israel and ten tribes or ten states, for those of you to, to give you a conception of ten states, uh, went with Rehoboam's, I'm sorry, went with Solomon's enemy, Jeroboam, and he became king of Israel, which was called the northern kingdom because there was the ten states, ten tribes to the north. And then we have Solomon's line, which is David's line, Rehoboam, he became king of the two southern tribes, which were Judah and Benjamin. Are you following me so far? Now, that's important because in, in the middle of Isaiah's ministry, the northern kingdom, because all of their kings were wicked, all of their kings, this is where Jezebel is and Ahab. I mean, everybody was wicked and Finally, God had enough, and Assyria comes, swoops down, and destroys the ten nations or the ten tribes, the ten states of Israel, and they're wiped out. They're no longer a nation, and now we have left Judah. We have Judah and Benjamin. So it's during this season that, that, that uh, Isaiah sees a lot of things that have happened in history. Isaiah sort of, you can almost picture him as, even though he's not, even though he wasn't a king, you can almost picture him like the modern day Queen Elizabeth, who ruled for 70 years. That's a lot, you see a lot in 70 years. And so we have this guy, this, this, this prophet Isaiah, and his name, his name in Hebrew means the Lord, or Yahweh, Jehovah is salvation. The Lord is a deliverer. And, and so when I look at God, I see God delivering in three areas. Number one, the Lord as, is a deliverer means he sets me free. He, he has emancipated me from, from sin. Are you with me so far? The other thing that God delivers is that he delivers on his promises. Amen. God delivers on his promises. He, he's like I, I ordered something and... They said it was going to come on Saturday, and, and Amazon brought my thing on Saturday. Praise the Lord. God is a deliverer. He delivers on his promises. All of the promises of God in Christ are yes and amen. He delivers. Have you ever had God deliver on his promises? There's an old hymn called Standing on the Promises. Standing on the Promises. God is dependable. He delivers on his promises. And then, the, then there is uh, what we call labor and delivery, where God has put something in you, and he is determined that what he put in you comes out of you for his honor and glory. Paul says in Philippians chapter 2, verse 13 and 14, he says, work out your own salvation, with fear and trembling. Why? Because it is God who works in you, both to will and to do his good pleasure. All that we see, PT North, PT South, and, and 337 Washington Street, and 345 Washington Street, and all that we see, God has put in us, and we prayed out God, what God put in us, out of us, and this is what God has delivered. Amen. He's a mighty deliverer. I said he's a mighty deliverer. And somebody needs to hear this because what God has put in you, the devil tries to kill you. He's always after what God 
has put in you. The Bible says in Luke chapter 8, verse 10 and 11, that the devil is trying to kill the seed of the word. When you have a promise, he's not after you. You have no power. He's after the word in you because the word in you is going to destroy. The Bible says that, that, that Herod was not after Mary and Joseph. He was after the baby. Right? You are, you are pregnant with something that God has put in you that's going to bring glory and honor to his name. God always takes care of his baby. Oh, that's a good word right there. God doesn't care about your dream. He cares about his purpose in your life. And what, and what oh my God, I'm preaching up in here. And what happens, the reason why you're going through such wilderness and such testing and such, such consecration is because God is trying to get your dream from contaminating his purpose. Whew. Because you know us. God tells us something, and, and we want a little glory with it. Now, let me preach right now. God says, I call you to ministry, and nobody, when they get the call that God's going to use them in ministry, nobody ever sees themselves as teaching a Sunday school class of five people. Can I preach? We see thousands. See ourselves on TV, and we see, oh, driving wonderful cars, and, and we lay hands on people, and they, they fall out. We see ourselves in the limelight. And so God has to put us in the wilderness. <laughs> God got to knock the pride out of us. Mm -hmm. God got to knock our big ideas out of us. How do you know that, Bishop? Oh, been there, done that. Lord called me to be a pastor. He said, you're going to pastor? Told me at 19, you're going to be a pastor. And I was like, oh, oh, oh yes. Well, 17 years later, <laughs> and some of you, the, your waiting period is not because God is slow to deliver. I am preaching. God has to put you in fire to burn out of you what's not of him so that when he does what he wants to do, you and I don't contaminate it with our pride. See, the issue is not, is God trustworthy? The issue is, am I trustworthy? The fire proves if you're worthy to be trusted with what God puts in you. That's not even my notes. So now he's in this, has this vision of this temple and the temple, the measurements of the temple is 180 feet long, 90 feet wide, and 50 feet high. So it's a pretty big place. But it says his train fills the temple. Let me show you a few trains. One of my favorite trains is this one. That, that, that's my favorite train. That's my favorite train. If you're wondering who... That is, looking at that lady leaning against the fence, that's me 39 and a half years ago. And, and looking at this wonderful train. I'm still looking at the train. Choo-choo. <laughs> uh, let me preach the word. May have to have you go downstairs because you're distracting me. You're distracting me. Anyways, then we have another train that's famous for those of you who made Lady Diana. I mean, look how many pews that train carried. That train was 25 feet long. And the, the, the current price of that train would have been uh, $36,000, $37,000. 
So then it got, got me to thinking, what was the longest wedding train in the, in the world? And this one is the longest. 1.85 miles. I mean, that, 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 that's a train that will cover cities. <laughs> 9,768 feet at a cost of $446,000. And now, <laughs> but as I see this train, we're not talking about God's train the length of the temple. His train filled the temple, which means that there was no space for any other thing to get the glory but him. Can this be a place where his train, his presence, just fills the house of God? So when I look at Denver, all I see is God. When I look at Carmen, all I see is God. When I look at Tammy, all I see is God. And see, when God's presence fills the temple, even the people you don't like look better because you see them through God. So he, the train fills the temple, and when he sees this glory of God, he says, Whoa! is me. This word woe is oi. In Hebrew, as you say, toy, and it means it's a, it's a passionate cry of grief. It's a passionate cry of despair. It's a, cry, it's a passionate cry of lamentation. He's, you, you would think he would be happy, but he's not happy because he, he, he is lamenting the fact that he has encountered God and he, and he sees God for who he really is. He doesn't see the religious God. He doesn't see the, the, the Passover God or the Shavuot God or the Feast of Tabernacle of God. He sees God. And when he sees God, he realizes one thing. There's a problem in one area. And that is, I see God as he is and I see myself as undone. I am not as together as I thought I was because I've really encountered God. And he says, woe is me, for I am undone. There's something about encountering God that produces repentance. Isn't it amazing that the first message that John the Baptist preaches in Matthew 3, verse 2, and then John the Baptist is thrown in jail, and Jesus picks up the same message, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And what that means is that at hand is an is a old king, uh, English term in the King James Version, but at hand means it's within your reach. Change your mind. Change the way you're thinking because God, what God is doing is within your reach, and if you don't change the way you're thinking, you're going to miss it. What do you mean? People will look at your life when you're going through challenges and testings, and they will interpret it as maybe this person sinned. Maybe they're not living right. Where, where when, what God is doing is God is saying, you know, you need to change your way you're thinking because what I'm doing is preparing you for what I have for you. It's not judgment, it is love. Because who the Lord loves, he what? He corrects. Ah. It's amazing how when God, when you get the encounters of God and dealings with God, and sometimes the encounters are not pleasant, but they will bring you to repentance. For example, and I was stunned when I read this, here, here is this guy named Job. And God says he is the most righteous man on the earth. And then God allows the devil to wipe out his family, take all of his wealth, uh, rack his body with sickness, destroy his home, 
allows three guys who are supposed to comfort him, just make him miserable. And Job, through many chapters, he's saying, he's saying, God, this isn't fair. I just, where are you so that I can make my case? And throughout the, throughout the chapters, he's saying, I want to make my case. I want to make my case. And finally, he has, uh, he has an encounter with God, and God says, let me cross-examine you. Where were you when I created this? Where were you in that, when I did this? And Job, Job's response to the encounter was this. Job chapter 42, verses 6. And this is the New Living Translation. Job says, after all he went through, I, this would not have been me, but you know what? When you have an encounter with God, he'll make you say things that you didn't think you would say. Job, after all he went through, after God got through with him, he says, I take back everything I've said. And I sit in dust, I sit in ashes, and I show my repentance. Meaning that after all you allow to happen to me, I still repent because you know what you're doing. How many of you have seen where God has allowed you to go through stuff and then when he blesses you at the end and you can, and you can see how he prepared you, you had to go to God and say, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. You're mad at God because you missed your flight. How could I? And then the next flight they put you in first class and you're like, I'm sorry, God. You're mad because they messed up your room. You, you, you registered for a room. We, don't, we, we didn't book you. We don't have no space for you. you. And you go off. You lose your Christianity. They wonder if you're even a believer. And then they say, well, we're going to put you in a suite. And now you're like, I'm sorry, God. So this is what I want you to do. I'm going to help you. Tell somebody who's going to help you. I want you for one minute to give God praise now so that when the blessing comes, you don't have to say, I'm sorry. Can you praise him right now? I, you don't need no music. Thank you, Lord. I know I'm going through some stuff. It's not fear, but I praise you right now so I don't have to apologize for how I behaved while you were preparing my blessing. Hey, I'm going to praise you right now so I don't have to apologize for how I behaved while I was going through while you were preparing my blessing. Hey! 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 Oh, let me tell you something. Let me, let me, let me, you, let me tell you something. I don't even know why I'm doing it, but somebody needs to see this. Uh, Shauna, uh, who was just up here, uh, she was, she was, I had her testifying. Uh, I said, I want you to testify about how God has blessed you with a house. And, and between my, between her agreeing and her time to testify to the church, the deal closed and she didn't get the house. How embarrassing. But what happened was God closed that deal because he had a better house at a cheaper price. You have no idea. <laughs> oh, I could run around this church. Sometime God closes a door just to see how you react. Because it's that he said, let me see if they really trust me. I'm going to close that door so that nobody can get in. And let me see how they react. Because if you know that God has promised you, then he's going to test your faith. And there are no online courses for faith. There are no, uh, I got news for you, I got news for you. There are no online courses for swimming. There's no, there, what are you doing? I'm a virtual swimmer. No, you're not. No, you're not. No, you're not. No, no, you know how to swim. Someone says, whoops. 
And that's how faith goes. I don't care how many books you read, I'm preaching up in here. I don't care how many YouTube scripts, I don't care if you had Copenhagen and Kenneth Hope, Copeland and, and, and Hagen. I don't care how much you read, study, watch conferences. Sooner or later, the just has to live, no, 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 by his faith. Ah, that's what that. <laughs> He's quoted from Habakkuk. The just shall live by his faith. I love Marsha Green, my mother, but I can't live on her faith. You're going to have to live on your own faith. You can't live on grandma's faith. You can live on grandma's prayers, but you can't live on grandma's faith. You got to live on your own faith. And so what God does, he puts you in situations to test your faith. How many of you are going through something right now? Raise your hand. You're going through something right now. Okay, I got good news for you. This is a test, a public broadcast. This is a test. <laughs> the question is, will you hold fast, Hebrews chapter 10, 36, to the profession of your faith without wavering because he is faithful who promised. Amen. 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 Let me move on. Then he, then, then he says, okay, I'm going to change my mind. And, and he goes from woe to low. What does low mean? The word low, it, it speaks, it's, it, it means behold, to see. To see what? To, to see yourself as who you truly are in the sight of God. See, when God does something, he expects us to humble ourselves. Because why? Because James chapter 4 Verses 6 to 10 says, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. You know one reason why you've been, going, been taking so long to get that job? He says, God got to kick the pride out of us. Mm. All that is in the world, 1 John chapter 2, verse 17, 16 says, all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and pride of life. We all have pride. Oh, shucks. I'm just humble, just little old me. Before. No, no, we have pride. We have pride. God wants to humble us, uh, humble us uh, because that's where grace is. Grace is with, when you are humble. Humble is not walking with your head down. Humble is simply recognizing your own shortcomings. 1 Peter 5, verse 5, Peter says, Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves to your elders. Yet all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility because God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Psalms 138, verse 6 says, Though the Lord be high, yet he has respect to the lowly. You want to be blessed by God? Get down. Lower yourself. Be humble. Ah. Once you get a woe, ooh, I see God as he is. Once you go low in humility, then God says, now you can go. Now you can go. This word go is a Hebrew word. It means to walk. One of the definitions is to walk. I'm about finished here. You're not going to like what I have to say. Uh, walk. And I started looking, considering, you're like, I'm like, walk? And the Holy Spirit said, yeah, look at all the scriptures that tell you how to walk. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 says, walk in the spirit, and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Psalm 23, verse 5 says, yea, though I, what? Walk, what? through the valley of the shadow of death. You're going to have to walk through some things. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 2 says, walk in love. Psalm 86 verse 11 says, walk in truth. Psalm 81 verse 13 says, walk in God's ways. Psalm 119 verse 45 says, walk in liberty, walk in freedom. The Bible says in John 8, verse 31 to 36, it says, if you continue in my words, then you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. If the Son, therefore, shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. Walk in truth. 
verse, uh, 80, Psalm 89, verse 15 says, walk in God's presence. Psalm 89, verse 15 says, blessed are the people who know the joyful psalm. They shall walk in the light of their countenance. I want to end with this. So I was saying to God, wow, this is good. And he says, but let me tell you where not to walk. Woo. I said, help me, Jesus. He says in Jeremiah, verse 18, walk not according to your own devices. Walk not according to your own devices. Repeat that with me. Walk not according to your own devices. So I started to look up the word device in Hebrew, and God said, you don't need to look it up. And I said, well, let me look up, you know, me the etymology of the word device. He said, you don't need to look that up. How about the dictionary? He said, no, no, you don't need to look that up. I said, well, what are you talking about? He said, let me show you. Walk not according to your own devices. Some of you get your self-esteem through your own devices. How many followers do I have? Which all it does, that, that is, let me preach. That, all that does is feed into your ungodly pride. Walk not according to your own devices. Oh, they said that about me. I guess it's true. Walk not according to your own devices. Stop basing your prayer life on what CNN and MSNBC and whatever website you look at says. Oh, it's quiet in here. You hear about a tragedy, oh, we gotta pray about that. Did God say that? It, it's quiet. I know, it's quiet. I'm messing with you, it's quiet. You see, Jesus, I don't know if you know this, but Jesus did not heal everybody who was sick. Thank you, Elder Cameron, because obviously these people don't like what I'm saying. <laughs> Jesus, thank you, I, I need a friendly face. Jesus did not heal every person who was sick. As a matter of fact, Jesus crossed a whole lake, cast out the devil out of one man, and traveled back. Another place, Jesus went, healed a Canaanite's daughter, and then left. I'm not sure, mm, you know, let me look at you. I'm not sure if Jesus wants us to pray about everything we see. Because if we pray about everything we see, we're going to miss what we're supposed to see. Paul says it when he's giving his testimony, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. I don't want my prayer life on my walk with God, on my, on my esteem. I shouldn't have self-esteem. I should have God-esteem. So when someone emails or posts something that, that tells me who I'm not, I need to go to another device that tells me who I am. When they say you can't, this says greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And what am I saying? I'm saying that maybe you need to get like a real Bible. Because when you read this, there's no news flashes. There's no pings. There's no, you all are, help me, Jesus. I'm trying to help, you know. How many of you, I'm going to raise both hands. How many of you, I'll, no, forget it. I'll talk about me. Okay, this is how my life goes sometime. Oh, what's the weather going to be? I'm going to look at the weather, and I'm going to do what I need to do. 
Go to the Weather Channel, look at it. It's going to be 58 degrees. Okay. And then all of a sudden I say, oh, I wonder how the, you know, the, the basketball game went last night. Let me look at ESPN. And all of a sudden, oh, I wonder how that, how that play actually went. Look at, let me look at YouTube. And then all of a sudden, oh, you know what? There was this song that the Jackson 5 used to sing when I was a kid. I wonder if that's on YouTube. Let me find. And next thing you know, what was supposed to be one minute has turned into an hour. Am I talking to somebody? And I could have used that time praying. I could have used that time in the Word of God. But instead, I started walking according to my device. Turn to your neighbor and say, he's talking about you. I just saw you looking at your, I saw you looking at your device during the service. Mm, during the service. Oh, uh, it's one o'clock. Well, I wonder what they're serving for at, you know, yeah, look, no, not the SNS. Let me go to the, the, the uh, hey, preach, preach, uh, preach, pastor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, hey, hey, Tasha, what you doing? And, and I, we, we have allowed ourselves to be, watch this, digitally distracted. And you can't go if you're always distracted by news, by people's opinions, by everything other than what God wants to say to you when he encounters you in the prayer closet when he counters you as you're reading the word. That's why I love just having a Bible because there's no pings, there's no dings, there's no bzzz, there's nothing. There's just me. And only, the only bzzz that I'm getting is the Holy Spirit convicting me. <laughs> Let's all stand. Whoa. Get low. So he can say, go. God is sending all of us into places and spaces that we've never dreamed of. And that's why for some of us, he's been, he's been, he's been lighting the fire hot because he's burning off stuff so that when he sends you into places and spaces that you never dreamed of being, you won't get caught up in the blessings. You won't, you won't get caught up in the manifestations and forget the mission. God blesses you in a house that you couldn't even dream of owning. And God said, I didn't put you, I love you, but I didn't put you here so that you can have two, three garages and eight rooms and five bathrooms. I put you here because there are people here that need Jesus. I didn't give you that job just so that you could say, ooh, I got this nice desk and look at the view I have from my office. No, no, no. I put you there because there's somebody who needs Jesus and, and this is your apostolic assignment. This is, I sent you, I didn't get you into that school uh, just for you to, uh, just so you say, I go to such and such school. Your, jack, your grades were so jacked up, it's a miracle that you're there. You ought to be, you ought to say, God, now what am I, now I'm here, what do you want me to do? God has blessed us with two churches. And I'm, we're PT, we got two churches. Y'all only got one, but we got two. God, God didn't do that for us to boast up our pride. He's done it because he wants us to go. He wants us to understand what is the mission. Why did you give us two buildings, Lord? Why did you make us debt-free, Lord? We ought to be asking God, why? What am I doing here? How, why am I meeting this person? What, watch this. Why do I have favor? with this person when I shouldn't. When, you, when, you're, when your mind, like Isaiah, becomes missional, every, every time you get blessed, God is like, will you go for me? Will you go for me? As every head is bowed and every eyes closed. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I just feel the presence of my goodness. I want to do... First of all, if you never received Jesus Christ as your Savior, he has a mission for your life. 
He has a purpose for your life. I don't care what you've been through. I don't care if you have a degree, 10 degrees, no degrees. I don't care if you're white, black, Asian, uh, Hispanic. I don't care if English is your eighth language. I don't care what your pedigree is. God has a mission for you. God wants you. The Bible says when we were enemies to God, he still sent his son to die for you because he loves you. And you're wandering around on your plans, on your dreams, on your mission. And even when you accomplish it, you're not satisfied because God has created you for a specific purpose. And the only one who can give you that purpose is him. And you can't get it unless you invite him into your life to run your life. And that's what this is about right now. As every head is bowed and every eye is closed, oh, thank you, Holy Spirit. If you never received Jesus Christ as your Savior, you say, Bishop, no, I, just want, I, I just want you to pray for me because I want to give my life to Jesus. I'm not going to have you come up to the front of the church. I'm not going to embarrass you in any ways. But I want to pray for you. And I at least would like you to do me a favor to let me know who I'm praying for. If you're online, you can, even though I can't see you, God sees you. If you want to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, you've never done it before. I'm not talking about going to church. I'm talking about giving your life to Jesus. Could you slip up your hand so I can know who I'm praying for? Is there one? Just want to make sure we don't miss anybody. Want to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. Praise God. Okay. I want to... I want, I don't, I don't do this very often, but I just want to have a, an altar call to, to, to pray over those of you who, you, you've been sensing, you've been sensing the Lord is saying, I'm sending you to go. But you've also been going through some stuff. And it seems like, man, I'm trying to go forward but I'm being tested. And maybe in some ways you might even be discouraged. I, I want to I pray for you. I just want to, I just feel like the Lord, this wasn't even my plan, but I feel like the Lord is saying, just pray for those who are, uh, they're going through whatever, however that, however that hits you. And I want to pray because I believe some of you are so close to what God has for you, and that's why the devil is fighting you so hard. If you understand football, this is something I played most of my life. Um, I'll watch it anyways. Uh, it is much easier to score from far away than when you get up close. Isn't it interesting when you watch games and they say, you know, it's first, it's, it's, it's first down and it's, you have one yard to get the goal. And it's like a battle. I mean, they could be marching down the field, chunk yards, and all of a sudden when they get to that last yard, it is so difficult. One of the reasons why it's so difficult is that Coaches have what they call, um, they, they have teams, so to speak, that specialize in what they call a goal yard stance, meaning that they bring out the big boys. They, they, they make sure that it's going to be difficult for you to score. And my point is, is that you're in a season, some of you are in a season where you're, it feels like you're far away because of the attacks but the point is, is that you are so close that God is saying, if you just hang in there, wait and see what I have for you, watch this on the other side. And, and, and so what I want to do in, in football, sometimes what they do, if they know they're going to run, 
they'll bring in what they call a fullback. You don't even have to understand sports other than the fact that it's a big guy who comes in as an extra blocker. <laughs> to, so, so, when, so when the guy gets the ball, he got this other guy in front of him who runs through first to make sure that he makes it through. And my point is, is that I want to be that blocker for you. I, I want to pray for you that, that, that you will get through because you don't, when you score, you don't score by yourself. Meaning that when you score, the body of Christ wins. That's why it's important for you to get to what God's called for you because there, there are souls and their lives at the end of what you accomplish for him. So if this, is, if this is a message that you say, oh my goodness, I really needed this. This is a breath of fresh air. This, this is like fuel in my tank. I'm going to ask you if, just, if you just come to the altar and I just want to bless you. I just want to pray, pray, pray with you and then uh, we'll, we'll, we'll dismiss you and bless you at the end. But again, this is just, it, you, know, you, you sense this, man, this is like God was speaking to me. He was reading my mail. I'm like, man, was this guy with me during the week? Like, Lord, have mercy. But, but God, no, look at this. Look at this. Look at this. Obviously, God, God, obviously, God sees where you are. Wow. Wow. Thank you, Jesus. Because this, I didn't do this in the first service. This was not even in the plan. But obviously, God sees you where you are. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I'm not going to pray long, but what I want you to do is to lift up your hands. And it, and it, I want you to lift up your hands. And Tammy, could you come up here? I want to show you what's happening. Turn on. Lift up your hands. My prayer is that God will take your hands and keep your hands up. And keep your hands up so that when you get through what you're going through, the same position of, Lord, help me, will be now, Lord, I give you praise. I give you praise. I give you praise. Father, I thank you, Lord, for just for speaking prophetically this morning to your people. And by prophetic, I mean, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 3, it says, prophecy is for exhortation, edification, and the NIV says encouragement. And Lord, you know there are so many individuals here who needed to hear this because they needed fuel in their tank to go further in you. Now, Father, I pray in your name because some people are so close that I pray that this time next week we're going to hear of a few people scoring. We're going to hear about some testimonies. We're going to hear like some, oh my God, I, I, I was about to quit and then this happened this week. Oh, Spirit of God. And, and, and hopefully when they hear somebody else's story, even if, even if their breakthrough hasn't come yet, it will be fuel in their tank as if to say, well, that, mean, that must mean I'm next in line. Spirit of God, I pray that you will encourage your people like nobody else can. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will hover over these individuals long after this service is over, and that you will strengthen them and, and, and let them know, not only through this message, but even beyond, that I am with you. I am with you. I am with you. Though you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death, though you're walking through some terrible times, whether it's family, whether it's job, whether it's relationship, whether it's financial, whether it's physical illnesses, whether it's your mind, you like, feel like you're losing your mind, no matter what it is, I am with you. Emmanuel, God is with you. God is with you. 
And so, Lord, I just pray that you will strengthen each and every individual who is at this, this, this space, this altar. They, they, they are, they're coming to you and saying, God, I, I need you. Be my strength. David said, the Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Lord, be their strength. Be their strength. Holy Spirit, be their strength. Holy Spirit, I pray that you give confirmations throughout the week that let people know I'm with you, I'm with you. This wasn't just a walk to the front of the church. I am with you. Do something, Lord, that will cause people to... to they, I know these individuals have not lost faith in you because they're here, but I'm asking you, Lord, that you will just let a fresh wind blow. Let, let, let them get trade winds, winds to their back. That will, that will say, no, I'm with you. I'm pushing you. I'm pushing you into your destiny. I'm pushing you not into your destiny, but into my purpose for your life. Oh, Spirit of God, open up doors. Open up doors. Open up doors. Supernaturally, Lord. Areas where the devil said, there's no way this is going to happen. Open up the door. And sometimes, Lord, you'll have to do it through our repentance, meaning that you may do it in ways that we did not think you would do it, but you still did it. Oh, God, so open up our hearts to see that maybe you're doing what you said you're going to do in a way that we did not expect. And for some who have had doors closed over and over again, help them to be like, like Peter and the other fishermen who they said, we've been fishing all night, we've caught nothing. But Lord, at your word, we're going to try again. Give them that try again spirit. Give them that, okay, I'm going to give it one more shot. I'm going to give it two more shots because I got, I got my faith fueled up. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Just before I give you the closing blessing, I just want to give you a few moments to be before the Lord right now. Right where you are, pray, thank Him. A few moments, speak to the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your grace, Lord. Thank you for seeing the tears. Thank you for seeing my brokenness. Thank you that you didn't leave me on my own to say, hey, you figure it out. But Lord, for some people, they came here saying, God, I need to, I need to hear from you. I need to hear from you. I don't know what I'm going to do Monday. I need to hear from you. And you spoke. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. God, I will say I worship you. I worship you. I worship you. 
gracious, kind-hearted, pleasant, and compassionate to you. May the Lord show you his favor that will promote you, appreciate you, not depreciate you, support you, side with you as you side with him. And finally, may the Lord give you his shalom, his peace, his rest, his harmony, his calmness, his composure, his prosperity, and his success. And may the Lord today remove anything that causes agitation or discord with his divine purpose and destiny for your life. I bless you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And everybody say, I receive that blessing. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Those of you who may need extra prayer, the elders will be up here eventually to pray. Hey, family. Thank you so much for joining us for today's service. Special thanks to those of you who continue to generously support the work of this ministry. We are so grateful for you, and it's because of you that we can be a blessing to this community. If you enjoyed the service today, please like, share with your friends and family, and subscribe to our channel so that you can get a notification whenever our services go live. We also invite you to follow us on social media at PT Cambridge in order to stay connected to this ministry. Hey, we look forward to seeing you next time. Thanks for watching and God bless you.